Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Erin Pym, and I'm the producer of the Bedpost Sex Show. Here at the podcast, I like to invite guests and performers into the studio to indulge me in a more in-depth conversation about sex and sexuality. And this week, we have super special guest, actor, musician, performer, Jeff Insel. Hello. Hello, and welcome. Thank you for having me. Oh, thank you for coming. How <laughs> are you today, sir? Doing great. Yeah? Yeah. Had a nice walk over here. It's a beautiful day in Toronto after a much needed change in weather. Is it finally spring? I don't want to jinx it, is it? Yeah, exactly. Knock on wood. It it keeps flipping back and forth. I really hope that all this shitty weather's over. I'm so ready for summer. Taking taking some more clothes off. Getting ready for the (laughs) nice weather. Yes! Do you like to show off the bod? Um, I'm not a huge body shower offer. (laughs) I don't I know. Am. I if, am. If I well, you've got it, so flaunt it. But oh fuck, you've got it. Are you kidding me? I, I'm yeah. I'm. I've been contemplating much over the last like week or so. Okay, it's starting to get nice. It means it's beach weather. It means I need my beach bod. I got to go back to the gym. Yeah. So you jam, do you? Yeah, but I haven't yet. No, <laughs> no it's all good intentions, but. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. the mental part is yeah, half of it, yeah, right? Exactly. The mental confidence. Yeah. Do you find you have um, a good self-image, like a good body? image oh gosh no it's been a work no? in progress really yeah. i don't know it's always been a thing it's actually funny because my mom has always um and she doesn't she doesn't understand like how i, I don't see myself yeah as, because like, you're a gorgeous guy I don't, I don't i've always struggled with that i, I i'm not i'm not a very um what's the word i'm looking for someone who talks about themselves a lot what is that or like you're humble Thank you. What's the opposite I guess, of humble yeah. confidence, I guess? Well, but not really. Bravado, maybe? Sure. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Um, when I was younger, I also just, yeah, had a hard time kind of... What were you like when you were a young, a young adolescent? Yeah, like, looking back, it's definitely yeah. in retrospect, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. so, like, looking back and, like, now where I'm at now, I can definitely, like, I'm a bit more com- confident and comfortable in my own skin and, sure. you know, and... Do you mind me asking how old you are? I am 32. Ooh, girl! (laughs) But I feel like 22. (laughs) Do you? Do you feel young? I feel fairly young. I don't know. Yeah, you still feel young. Everything you put out there, you know, it's more how you act than you. Uh, I feel old. Really? On the inside, you're, you're feeling, feeling, you look so young. What are you talking Thank about? Thank you. Oh, that's yeah. funny. Well, like, I think I have an older, I think I've always been kind of mature mm-hmm. emotionally. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I've always wanted to be older. Like, I feel like that's where I'm going to come into my own is like when I'm older and this whole, like throughout my 20s, I was always, I'd always cheat my age older. I still do, actually. <laughs> I did the other day to somebody. I think I tell people at my new job I'm 35, but I'm not. I'm 33. <laughs> like, well, why do I do that? I don't know. Why do I feel the need to do that? I don't know. I guess. And like I've always level, done that. Level of respect, I guess. Sometimes a level of respect comes with age, and especially in the workplace, right? Like, I used to work at TD Bank, and when I first started there, I was 18. Oh, And wow. I worked as a stockbroker when I first was there. Like, I worked as a customer service agent, and then I became a stockbroker after training and stuff and mm-hmm. taking my exams. Wow. 
Wow. And I was really young and it was difficult because like all the people I worked with were much older than me and I didn't really earn their, like I didn't have their respect from the onset. Whereas I feel like when you're older, people kind of give it to you because mm -hmm. you've, they just, they just or... assume that you've had life experience that gets you, you know, you just deserve it at that point. Yeah, and for me but... especially, I've had a lot of managerial positions as well mm -hmm. when I was young, and just adding the other layer of, oh, you're a woman, too. Oh, God, yeah, I don't know anything about that. It's like, <laughs> yeah, it, it's, well, it doubles everything you're saying yeah, about yeah. not being, not feeling like people take you seriously mm. or see you as an authority figure. Um, yeah, all those things. Yeah. So well, I see it at the theater all the time. Um, yeah, you work at a theater, right? Work at yeah. Uh, yeah, a theater. And um, you see that all the time where if patrons are upset about something, then I notice the difference in the way that like a female will speak to a female yes. authority figure versus a male authority figure. And yeah, people yeah. would ask me constantly when I was like, I managed a restaurant for seven years off and on. Oh, wow. They asked all the time would ask for the manager. I would go over and speak with them. And then they would ask me for the manager. Where is the manager? We asked the manager to come over. I'm like, I've been That's speaking so with you for like five minutes now. Like, ugh. Awesome. And I think that actually, that really hardened me after a while. Like, then I felt like, like we're saying with, you know, the cheating, the age older or, mm -hmm. or whatever, I felt the need to overcompensate. So I came off I came off bitchy, quite frankly, saying again, hindsight 2020. Mm -hmm. I was super hard at that time because I was like, just wanted so badly to be taken seriously. Yeah, totally. And to see as someone who's in control and has some power and authority and what have you. So... What was Lil Jeff Incel? So yeah, what was, uh, was Lil Jeff Incel like? I was actually quite um, introverted, very introspective, very um, in my head. I, I thought a lot of my thoughts, but didn't really express them. Um, I come from a family of uh, four, and mm -hmm. being the youngest in my family, mm -hmm. the baby of the family, I didn't really have much of a voice, or it, what it felt like I didn't have much of a voice, because there was you know other people in the house that you know kind of spoke louder and... Got heard All of that more. Got heard more, yeah, yeah. And although, like, being the baby, the you know, the whole thing about, you know, getting away with everything, which is true, I definitely got away with a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you're cute, too, so um, that, that goes also a long helped, way. Yeah, I've got dimples, so <laughs> I definitely use them to my advantage. <laughs> totally, especially um, when you're young. Yeah. Did your parents, what was your house like where sex is concerned? Were you taught anything, told anything when oh, you were gosh. that young? Yeah, it was quite an interesting upbringing sexually, um... So my parents uh, separated when I was about five or six years old. Okay, that's and, when you're quite young. Um, then I stayed with my mom for the majority of my adolescence up until pretty much grade nine, so about 13, 14 uh, years. The really formative years. Yeah, yeah, and lived with her and would do the weekend visit thing with my dad. And then mm -hmm. once I went to high school, she kind of said to my dad, you know, I've been taking care of the boys this long and, you know, um, you know, would, would you take on, you know, the kids More for the university? Yeah, exactly, or through uh, high school and stuff and... So um, I ended up moving in with my dad after that. But um, yeah, even when I was really young, like my parents um, were quite wealthy. So we would have um, like large parties and stuff. And I remember specifically this one time um, them having this big party and it was a bunch of my cousins. It was actually a family party mm -hmm. originally, like a family get together picnic or whatever. So it's like my aunts and uncles and my grandparents and stuff are there mm -hmm. and all the kids, cousins and everyone's running around and... Um, my dad was off working or what we assumed was working and was going to come and join us afterwards. Mm -hmm. And I guess, I don't know how it ended up happening, but he ended up bringing back with him, um, 
some like dancers, strippers. Oh wow! To, but he, I guess, forgot or didn't realize that the family thing was happening. And so this one woman, she oh. who I guess she's all she's a stripper. She was also a friend of my dad. So it's like yeah, it sure. wasn't like he just brought home a random a stripper random or whatever. Stripper. It was yeah. like a friend. It was of a his friend who was a but still she's a stripper. Which at the time it's like. Whoa! And bring it to a family thing. How odd! All that stuff. uh, So the one she like came bounding down the stairs in her backyard and like started as she's bounding, ripping her clothes off and jumping, wanting to jump in In our family swimming pool. In the pool, yeah. Meanwhile, like as it's happening, she didn't really realize. Like she saw people, but didn't realize that it was like a family gathering. Right. And so like she's coming down, like all partying, and then my aunt, who's like super conservative, she was like, "What the hell?" And she started freaking out and. my while all this like hubbub is happening, my one cousin he's like so excited by this the naked woman that like you know you know probably he'd never seen another naked woman other than his mom. So right. he ends was up, she actually naked? She was naked. Oh yeah. Oh and my she gosh! Wow. In the pool. Wow! And wow! My wow! My aunt is like yelling at her. Get get out. Get you know get your clothes on. This family gathering. All this sort of stuff. What are you thinking? Meanwhile, my my cousin he ends up going and grabbing the goggles, swimming goggles, <laughs> puts them on, and dives in the water so that he can get a quick as much eye full of before you know, the the ant yeah, rips her out of the pool. Cool, but anyways, that's funny. Yeah, so um, and I don't so know, how old I were you finding, when like, that happened? Oh God, like yeah, five years old or something like oh, that, wow, like super yeah. young. And I remember when I was also like the whole weekend visits with my dad and stuff. Um, like, I remember one time finding his porn collection in his, like, back closet or whatever. Like, and magazines? Magazines or and video, yeah. Magazines and videos? And video, yeah. Did you look at the videos, put them in, and look at them? Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Obviously. Of course. It was just like, what is this? <laughs> well, this is, like, before, you know, just jump on fucking internet and, yeah. you know, go to 130 million different sites that you can... <laughs> by mistake, you know? when you just put in something and Anything. they all pop up by mistake. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, uh... So what, do you remember what it, what was... Do you remember anything about the video? Oh, gosh. Um, I think, like, there was one that was, like, a group sex one. Uh-huh. Um, there was one that I think was, like, Backdoor Babes or something uh-huh. like that. Um, there was a bisexual one in there, too, which I thought was interesting. Uh-huh. I never really talked to my dad about, like, his sexual preferences and stuff. Um, so bisexual meaning two men together? Like, in the, yeah, in, in the, the video? one of the porns, it was, like... Interesting. There was, like guy on girl and then guy on guy and then you know what I mean like all of them kind of working on each other yeah interesting <laughs> yeah. yeah oh I know what you mean uh, yeah um, um what did you think of that I didn't really saw? know what to think and to be honest I thought like it was like kind of scary at the same time like sure because I knew obviously like sex was like kind of open but not a open and like my mom was very sex positive where she would always like talk about things and did she give you a talk or was there an ongoing conversation yeah, would she touch base with she you touch or... base and like we were taught a lot about sexuality because my mom um was really worried about us as children not having an understanding of like good touch bad touch and yes. like Smart. knowing like you know those those lines and um protecting yourself in a sense right mm-hmm. and um, so she was very open with sexuality and making sure we were aware of, of our bodies and what it means and, you know, that you it's met- okay to say no or to, you know, talk to... I think it was mostly that she was just wanting to make sure that the dialogue was open so that if anything did happen, we felt comfortable enough coming to her to talk about what was going on. Or if you had questions or, or anything. Or questions about anything and stuff like that, yeah. Did you ever... Uh, take did you ever take advantage of that? Do you remember? Did it did that work? Like her oh, yeah. setting that up? Oh, yeah, did you sure. feel that you could come to her? 
if See, you needed well, to talk it's to like, I don't know, any adolescent talking about sex with anyone, you're always uncomfortable and awkward and weird about it. Yes. And, um, like, I didn't really come into my sexuality and, and who I am until, like, my 20s, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, and so even back then... My mom knew probably that I, well, not probably, she knew I was gay or you think bi so? or, I don't like labels, I love people. I'm not, yeah, so know, just non-binary. Minor, sure, yeah. Yeah. And, um. Queer, the, yeah, the umbrella that is go. queer, yes, yeah. Yes, the rainbow umbrella. Yeah. And, uh. So she knew something. She knew something was up, and so she would always say to me, as I was growing up, because I suffered from some depression and, and stuff, and just was having a hard time in high school. Oh, yeah. Just navigating high school in itself. And oh, yeah. Navigating my sexuality while there, and all of that sort of stuff, and that um, she was very supportive in saying, you know, oh, you know, it's okay if you're gay and all this. And of course, I'd immediately say, I'm not gay. I'm not. All this. And <laughs> Get off my back, mom. It was interesting because it was like I knew how supportive she was, but mm-hmm. at the same time, it didn't make it any easier to tell her when I needed to tell her that I was interested in, in men. And um, It's just that age, that age of just f- being fearful. You want to be accepted. You want to be mm-hmm. loved and being fearful that, some she won't like you anymore yeah. she won't love you anymore did you yeah. feel like that oh, for or? Sure. i had a lot of internalized homophobia from my upbringing like i, I really? was raised re- um catholic roman catholic okay and went to like bible school and all that stuff until pretty much until my parents separated and then once they separated we stopped going and so what did we you go learn on special occasions and stuff like that and but even during that time, like, I knew what the Bible taught about, you know, being a homosexual is, like, mm-hmm. a sin and that you go to hell and all of that. And That stuck with you. That definitely stuck with me until I had further explored my understanding of spirituality and, and my own life experience that formed my, my spiritual basis or religious basis. Um, where I felt more comfortable with, with that idea and aspect of, you know, the afterlife and whether or not, you know, there is a hell or uh, a heaven and whether or not I will or will not get in there based on who I love. Right. And, like, definitely now when I, you know, think back, it's like, obviously I'm not going to hell for loving someone. That's just no, such a that's just silly so idea. Contradictory. A, yeah, exactly, right? It's so contradictory, like, one of the basic principles of the Bible, which is love everyone, basically, It's supposed right? to be yeah. love, so... Yeah, it definitely didn't make it any easier talking to my mom and like I actually didn't even really talk to my dad about my sexuality when I came out to my mom she for whatever reason took it upon her to tell my dad without letting me kind of talk to him okay and so then it became kind of this unspoken thing where like I would have have you ever had talked to your dad then um we haven't had a real heart-to-heart conversation ever about it um he knew just through your mom yeah so like after i came out to her she then called him and kind of spilled the beans and so yeah i was living with him at the time and it was kind of this unspoken you know elephant in the room that we never really talked about until um one night um my dad had way too much to drink and um his girlfriend at the time was kind of bugging him egging him on and they ended up having a fight where she left, and so I got turned into kind of the bullseye for his energy and negativity mm. and stuff, and there was kind of all this stuff under the surface that had bubbled up, and he kind of freaked out on me and um, really kind of scared me, actually, and I was just like, this is so not cool, and so I ended up actually moving out and living with my sister for a couple months and kind of stopped talking to him and he eventually apologized and stuff but not fully he never really fully apologized for the things that he said that were really really awful and yeah so it's just that that definitely had a huge 
impact on our relationship, I would say, and that it was never really the same from that point on. And How old were you at that point when that happened? I would happened, say like 18, incident? 18 or 19. Okay, so still a young adult. Mm-hmm. And so um, I ended up then moving in with my boyfriend, my partner at the time, mm-hmm. and we lived together for about two years. Mm-hmm. And then he moved out to Toronto before I did, and then um, ended up uh, cheating on me in Toronto, and mm-hmm. I found out. So then I was like, okay, well, I'm not going to like move my life to Toronto now, you know, and you know, be with this person who... Has cheated on me cheated or whatever. On yeah, me. so it's like this kind of throws a wrench into things. And at the time, oh, my brother dear. was dealing with living with my dad on his own and kind of taking care of him and stuff. And my brother convinced me to come back and live with my dad again. And against all better judgment, I did it. You did. Yeah. And then shortly after that, my brother moved out, and so I was stuck there. Just you. With Just your dad. me with my dad and his crazy girlfriend. And mm-hmm. um, it's kind of weird because it kind of put me back in the closet a bit because oh. I wasn't really free to live the life I wanted to and I had to live it in secrecy and just like yeah it was really not a good time and eventually ended up getting out and my friend um, put me up in his place and lived there for four years and then moved to Toronto I've been here for five years and moved to paradise moved to paradise moved, hell yeah moved to gay paradise <laughs> and I met my current partner and Elliot who's lovely He's I love Elliot love of my life <laughs> And started my new journey here in the city of being an artist. I, you know, I was working at the bank for almost 10 years and um, kind of just came to a head of not really being happy. And mm-hmm. I had done some community theater in Toronto or in uh, London and mm-hmm. reinvigorated my passion for performance and um, ended up uh, also at the same time, my brother was touring a show called Ride the Cyclone uh, across Canada. A, my brother's brother, a performer too. Yeah, and also gay. Oh, wow. I didn't yeah, realize that. Yeah. He came out after me. Um He's your older brother. My older brother, yeah. But he came yeah. out, after, he came out after the fact. He actually moved to BC for his boyfriend, but didn't tell any of us. Yeah. He was just like, oh, I'm moving to the West Coast. You know, I love it there, mm-hmm. et cetera. And then we, he's like, oh, I'm moving on with a friend of mine. Uh-huh. And then like a year and a half after that, we're like, so like, who's this friend that you're like living with and we're hearing so much about and all this sort of stuff. And eventually he came out and said, yeah, he's my boyfriend and I'm gay. And yeah. What did you think when that happened? It was actually really, really surprising because, yeah. um, um, when I came out for the first time, most of my family didn't believe me because, like, the whole I, I hate this idea of you know acting gay or whatever. Like, right. and so that was kind of what they said. They're like, you don't act femme, you don't, you know, we you never seemed gay to us is what a lot of them said, mm-hmm. which is to me so weird, and I hate that I that concept. Yeah, which is like, just silly altogether. But yeah, but anyway, so, they didn't <clears throat> they they didn't know you were gay and exa- were surprised by yeah, it. Yeah, for the most part, and then. Um, during that time, everyone was like, oh, we always thought it was James. And at that time, he was still in the closet. Mm-hmm. And um, Did he know? I, I don't know if you've had this conversation mm-hmm. with your brother since then. When you came out, yeah. did he already know he was gay? And what did he think he of you did. coming out? Yeah, actually, I remember specifically when I came out to him, um, I was dating my first boyfriend, mm-hmm. like, like boyfriend, boyfriend. Mm-hmm. And because um, I had like, been exper- I'd experimented before I had actually had my first boyfriend, but, um, so my boyfriend, he, uh, and I were hanging out a lot and my brother, my brother just asked me, um, straight out one night when I was getting ready to go meet up with my boyfriend, Chris. And, uh, he was like, so, you know, you've been hanging out with this Chris guy a lot and like, you guys are, seem really friendly. And I was like, yeah, he's a good friend. And my brother was like, 
seems really friendly and like a gave really me really good friend. Yeah, and you know, kind of gave me that look of like I know, like just be honest and tell yeah, me do what's you have going something on. To tell yeah, me. Like, do you have something to tell me and I just like I was like, well, this is now or never, and so I was like, yeah, it's because he's my boyfriend, and my brother just all of a sudden started bawling his eyes out, and I didn't quite understand at the time why, and um, why did you think? Why did you think at the time? At the time, I thought um, that I don't know. I thought maybe it was because he was afraid for me Mm -hmm. and knew how difficult at that time and still is now, but it's, I feel it's a little bit different now, you know, socially or whatever you want to call it. In Toronto. Yeah. In Toronto. Yeah. Being gay is a little bit easier now than it was, you know, 10, 20 years ago. So, um, he just knew how difficult that that lifestyle could be and didn't want that to, we'd already had a difficult enough, you know, upbringing in life that, you know, adding that additional layer into it. I think he was more like that. And then now in hindsight, knowing that he's gay, it's probably also that he had his own internalized, you know, fear of, okay, well, Jeff's now come out. Like, what room does that leave me? What role do I play as the only other son? You know what I mean? Like all of those other layers. There were probably so many things that he was thinking. For sure. And so I think it was a mixture of like his reaction to me coming out. But I think also like that emotion came from his own internalized, yeah, closeted, you know, and I was a little bit hurt about the fact that after I came out to him, like, why did he wait so long to come out? out? And I kind of felt like I had missed an ally that entire time, that I had, like, one of the closest people to me in my life, my brother, who I've known my entire life, who didn't tell, like, feel comfortable telling me for so long after knowing, like, I don't know, knowing the isolation of that and then still... I don't know. Obviously, it's he has his own reasons, and it's not an yeah, easy he thing. Ha- he right? has it's his like, own journey. Yeah, of he course. Has and his so own... I don't hold that against him. It's just also, you know, how can you not also for yourself say, you know, why wouldn't my my brother of all people, you know, been honest with me at that moment and and join forces? It's like it's way easier, I think. Well, of course, like knowing you have a support of someone else, especially like your own blood versus, mm-hmm. you know, what I mean, like having the support of my friends was definitely like pretty like one of the most strongest things that got me through, you know, me coming out and Mm -hmm. all that and Mm -hmm. um, having that support network and and those people that I could lean on for advice and for, you know, know. but, but who knows? Like, like one of the things I'm thinking is that that would have been then just a huge blow to your parents, for example, for both of you to come out at the same time. Yeah. And like, that definitely was a thing for him. He was concerned about that. And, you know, my mom had always said that she wanted us to have kids and it's not to say that we can't have children, but yeah, there's just so many pressures on on why he chose not to Mm -hmm. or couldn't, uh, at that time. Yeah. Yeah. He's on, he's on his own journey, you know? Yeah. But I don't hold anything against him. I love Mm -hmm. my brother so much. He's so super talented and, um, do you have a good relationship with him? Oh yeah. Well, we're 18 months apart. So like, Oh my gosh. Wow. Best friends growing up. Yeah. Like wherever he was, I was there and, um, almost to a point where he hated it because his <laughs> friends were my friends in most cases and um you know get your own you're, friends yeah, pretty, little oh, brother absolutely I heard that one all the time so get funny. out of my room yeah but i think secretly he liked it because like we understood each other at a deep level and and yeah we were you know i was like his little sidekick and 
yeah, we had a lot of fun together. Yeah. Uh, yeah, lots of good memories. Have you ever um, celebrated your queerness together? Like, have you gone to Pride together or have you gone out to a club together? We have gone to clubs together. Um, Where you now as adults get to kind of celebrate that together and sh- oh, for sure. share that kind of last time commonality? Was, my brother lives in Victoria and last time I was there... Um, He's a costume designer and set set designer, and he's also a performer as well. Oh my and, god! Um, he does uh, clown drag, like yeah, uh, drag that's kind of clown inspired. Oh my god! And is so so good and like such a talent and uh, so creative. And um, so when I came most recently this uh, past um, January, I went and visited and pulled all of his wigs and stuff out and he dressed me up in a tutu yeah. and everything. Yeah. And uh, I wanted to do full makeup, paint my face. Cause I've never done that. I've never done full, full, full drag. on drag yet. Except for like when I was young teenager dressed, I dressed up as a girl for Halloween as a, put on some know, lipstick. Yeah, and exactly. There you go. Nothing like a, not real drag. You yeah. weren't contouring. You yeah, weren't exactly. beating, beating I didn't the even know you what were... the word contour meant back then. <laughs> oh God. Um, but yeah, so we've definitely celebrated, in that way, I've I actually had never gone to Pride um, except for this past uh, about two years ago. It was my first Pride ever mm-hmm. um, here in Toronto. It was World Pride. Yes, of all prides Huge. to have your first. Why great, not great World one. Pride? Yeah, <laughs> it's a good one to choose. And um, I don't know because I I had always kind of had a thing against Pride. Um, really? Yeah. After going, I guess I'm, I'm less critical of it, but I still am a little bit critical of the fact that I just I get that it's. A, a day of celebration of one's own sexual um, freedom mm-hmm. and to be who you are. But I also feel that like an outsider looking in, let's say it's someone who is quote unquote straight and that they come to pride, but they don't have, let's say they don't have any gay friends and that they come to this event and that's their, that's the only kind of reference that they have is just is people walking with their people dicks being out. naked being sexually like deviant deviant really Quote and and right i guess it's not it what is perceived as deviant you yes. know what i mean yeah yes where, that's what i mean yeah which is like it's great because like as long as those conversations can ha- happen i guess but it, it doesn't feel like that's what the conversation is it's not about you know furthering and the understanding and acceptance of of us as human beings it's a crazy party filled with drugs and sex yes so it's like and like sure that's fun and 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 whatever but i always had a hard time getting behind it as someone who's felt like you know growing up in a conservative white town of london ontario Mm -hmm. not having any allies and stuff um you can see how they could misinterpret yeah the whole thing yeah exactly or how like yeah, I don't know. As seeing that gay people are sluts or deviants yeah. or drug addicts or yeah. all these things. Yeah. And all these things that all of us look like when we're just having a wild fucking party. Mm-hmm. Like, if that's the only thing people are seeing, then that's... Well, because I feel like the parade is one of the most kind of promoted parts about the yeah. Pride Festival versus the other really amazing programming that happens where good dialogue and good conversation happens. Mm-hmm. But I don't, I don't know. Don't think that's as visible. As visible as like people just going for the party of it yeah. versus like the importance of this message that we need to send out. Yeah, where like gay history. Gay like... history, the fact that there's still so much oppression that happens. There's still, yeah. I think something like 26 countries that still have... It's um, still illegal. Illegal and pen- de- upwards of death penalty for certain places like in Uganda. Yeah. Um, 
where it's like that I feel like it's a platform that may be not necessarily used as much as it could be for for furthering that message. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I guess I'm I'm speaking a little bit out of like in the dark where I've only gone to a couple of Pride. So maybe right. I don't have enough of an experience really to comment on that. But it's kind of just where I've always felt with the whole Pride Parade thing. But yeah. after going, I was like, fuck, this is an amazing this party. Is, and yeah, I, yeah. I love this. So I'm definitely coming back. Yeah, on the other hand, <laughs> I hypocrite. love this. Yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> Well, so we funny. should we should just about take a break. All right, Jeff. That sounds good to me. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. Have a word from our sponsor, and we'll be right back with Jeff Incel. This episode has been brought to you by the worker owners of Come As You Are. Come As You Are has the peculiar distinction of being the world's only worker-owned cooperative sex shop. With feminist and anti-capitalist values, Come As You Are only carries sexuality products that they truly believe in at the lowest price possible. Enter coupon code BEDPOST when you check out at comeasyouare.com to receive a 15% discount. And don't forget that shipping on orders over $50 is free in Canada. That's B-E-D-P-O-S-T when you visit comeasyouare.com. Hi everyone, we're back at the Bedpost Podcast with Jeff Incel. Hello. Hello, hey, hi. <laughs> um, so now where where are you at sexually? Like where what do you what's you what do you think about it? right now oh gosh right at this moment well i would have to say my opinion on sex is just have it (laughs) awesome because it's fun um no i don't know i uh i would definitely say that i've come more into my own now um it's been a lot of kind of trial and error and um In, in what way um well I would say in my understanding of what it means to be in a relationship Hmm. and the ideas of, you know, monogamy and Uh all that kind of stuff. And um, in my prior relationships, I was very monogamous and, you know, I had in my previous two relationships that were fairly like really serious relationships that Uh both of them ended because of my partner cheating on me. And Uh that had definitely had a negative impact where that carried forward into my relationships where I didn't have a lot of trust and... That, that's exactly what that does yeah. too. Well, and then yeah. I also didn't have a lot of trust to begin with just because like of my dad and my mom not staying together because my dad cheated on my mom and mm-hmm. there was just a bunch of crazy stuff happening with their own relationship. and That informed you and your relationship yeah, as a young adult. Yeah, and like my dad wasn't very, um, wasn't very positive towards women in a way. Like mm-hmm. he was very, he always talked very negatively about my mom and... I sound like I'm like I'm painting a really horrible picture of my father, but for his own reasons, he had you know his his feelings towards my mom and stuff. But mm-hmm. um, just the way he also treated other women that I saw in his relationships, you know, going forward after after my mom and stuff, and um, was just one of those you know I never want to be that and don't want to treat women poorly and mm-hmm. um, just have so much respect for them and and. Um, but then at the same time, just like not really trusting people, I guess. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know how to explain it, but 
It definitely had an impact. I, I yeah. can definitely say that. Do you think now at this point in your life, you've mostly like figured that out and kind of conquered that? Well, so yeah. Cause like after my, my last partners had cheated on me and I broke things off, I was like, Oh, I'm swearing off men and I'm swearing off this and swearing off that. And I'm going to be alone forever. And mm. that's the better, better way to do this. All mm. that. Um, and then of course, you know, you fall in love with someone unexpectedly and, and it, it changes everything. Yeah, exactly. You're like, what was I thinking? <laughs> of course I'm going to be in this relationship forever. Um, so yeah. And then, um, my current partner and I went through some stuff and, um, it being kind of the third time that it happened to me where I was just like, okay, what does this mean? And maybe I need to change my understanding of relationships and love and that almost, a um, understanding of, of letting go of not, of, just I guess w- of ownership. I feel like mm. that you know, being in a relationship, there's a certain level of, of mine or of like, or even, I guess, devaluing what you have because of them wanting to have an experience with someone else, even if it's, you know, just a sexually, mm-hmm. you know, platonic, you know, just wanting to have a sexual expression or whatever, mm-hmm. um, that that's okay. And it doesn't necessarily mean anything doesn't say anything bad about your about relationship, relationship or about, or your, about love, your love or about exactly, you exactly yeah or about your partner mm-hmm. yeah and so that's been like definitely something that's new and um still learning and yeah the it's, a, le- it's is, a learning curve yeah the biggest thing has just been communication um yes I'm, I'm definitely in the most communicative relationship i've ever been in where i felt free to express my desires and needs and wants and and that's essential to any so- sort of relationship that's non-monogamous mm-hmm. it's essential mm-hmm. have you read the book the ethical slut no oh my god i can't think of who wrote it right now um i'll i should put up a link or put up the title of this book at some point um we sell it at the sex shop that i work in currently nice. um and uh, oh boy you gotta read it yeah it's if you're okay. kind of interested in uh, just navigating the waters of polyamory or non-monogamy. Mm-hmm. Really, really good. Yeah. Yeah, it's been an interesting journey, I would say. And um, I've learned a lot about myself and about... It's so funny because, like, my brother was in a semi-open relationship with his last partner. And mm-hmm. um, in the beginnings of my current relationship, you know, we were monogamous. And that um, he... My brother told me, you know about their openness and in his relationship and I was like oh I could never see myself ever doing that I could never do and that I could never do I that could never. it's like that's so, such a betrayal or whatever whatever you know and whatever judgments you held about pretty it. much yeah and not against him but more so about myself mm-hmm. really and so yeah it's so interesting that like we've kind of done a flip actually he's now more monogamous in his relationship and you know now you're experimenting, experimenting with a non-monogamy a little bit yeah mm-hmm. um so it's just, yeah, it's been such an interesting change. And, um, yeah, it's a difficult it's, transition to go from monogamy to kind of a polyamorous yeah. relationship, for sure. Especially yeah. if it's kind of the first time you're doing it ethically, like doing it where you're actually setting these are the boundaries of our, yeah, relationship, of our relationship now, yeah. rather than just, you know, well, the cheating been, and yeah. whatever else. Well, it's like taken, a, it's been a winding path. It's not been, you know, there's been times where we've had to take a break to reevaluate, you know, oh, yeah. what are we doing and what do we want? And like and... Matt and I dabble as well. Um, but yeah, there's lots of times where we'll kind of get 
a little a little carried away or whatever, and they're like, okay, wait. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, eh, but I think that that's what's back great the about Trump it, is because as long as you keep an open dialogue, that like it's going to change. Like, either you want to open it more or you want to close it down a bit for a bit. Like, and it can be fluid. Yeah. Like we can go much like Matt and I, we can go a couple months where we're kind of seeing a couple other people and whatnot. And then we'll go through a bunch of months where it's just him and I, and Mm -hmm. we just want to be just the two of us. And then, you know, like in a cycle, like then maybe we'll welcome a couple new partners in and then a couple months later, maybe we don't want to do that anymore. Like Mm -hmm. you can allow it to be, to go from one to the other. We, we won't, I don't, we don't use the term open at all. Mm-hmm. Um, because to us, it's a lot more, it, we, I think we go with like um, selective non-monogamy. Yeah, I would that's, say that's a fair description. Because we put sure. like a lot of thought into it. And as you're saying, it's still, even though Matt and I have been together like five years now. Same with Ellen and I. Oh, really? Matchy. <laughs> Bestie. <laughs> we should go on a double date. Oh, my God. Um, uh, but we're still figuring it out. Mm-hmm. So like we're not gonna just like say open and like you do whatever the fuck you want. Yeah. No, that's yeah. so not what it's like. It's like double checking, triple checking with each other mm-hmm. that every little step of everything is okay with mm-hmm. the other person. And yeah, it's tiring and you kind of hate to have those conversations all the time. Like just to be talking about the relationship all the time. It's mm-hmm. like, Ugh, let's just, <laughs> let's just have the relationship. Like fuck. But it's so, it's important. Mm-hmm. And especially when you're, when it's the first time and you don't know what to do yet mm-hmm. and what's going to hurt the partner, you know, and, and we still have, we for sure still have moments where it's like, okay, that, that I was not comfortable yeah, with. Right? Yeah. So please like, let's put a boundary where that doesn't happen mm-hmm. again. Like that still happens where it's like, I didn't like that actually. Yeah. yeah. So let's now reevaluate, yeah. go back, you know, go back to the books and like figure out. So it still happens, but we just like to be very careful about it Mm -hmm. like very selective oh totally because i feel like well for some people i'm sure it's fine just to open it up and you do whatever the hell you want at whenever with whoever Mm -hmm. you know but that's not for us yeah totally that wouldn't work for us Mm -hmm. we would just be so upset yeah in your head about things right? (laughs) we would just be so depressed (laughs) So, like, like that's, to us, that's not a good relationship model. Mm -hmm. Are you finding, like, something similar, like I'm describing, or? Yeah, it's it's definitely selective and not just, like, a free-for-all, for for sure. Yeah. 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 Um, So, Jeff, what is, like, your favorite thing to do where sex is concerned? I enjoy the whole process. Yeah? Yeah, like, I really enjoy, like, the foreplay aspect of sex and, you know, getting my partner... You know, excited and yeah, ramped pleasing up the, and pleasing the partner. I would say I'm definitely for you. a pleaser. Yeah, you're a giver. Yeah, I'm a giver. Yeah, I like that's to nice. to be giving in my in my love and my my sex. Yeah, and yeah, I guess like my favorite part of of sex is the connection. Is like yeah. feeling that connection with that person and um, like emotionally, like emotionally, yeah, intimacy, intimacy like, like yeah, yeah. yeah. Because we all, uh, you know, we all have those days where it's just about fucking and getting, For sure. getting off. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Especially in a long-term relationship. Mm-hmm. There are, I feel like most of the sex that happens is just like 
beep bop boop like you press this button for me and i'll press that button for you like just (laughs) going through the motions just Mm -hmm. as like a stress reliever or you know what i mean oh totally yeah like i feel like that's a lot of the sex in a long-term relationship Mm. as shitty as that sounds no i feel that i it's interesting because like we've gone in kind of cycles of our our sexual activeness and um yeah and again that yeah same with matt and i it's spring so so hopefully (laughs) these boots will be knocking cross our fingers (laughs) but yeah it's like a big wave for us there'll be months where we're barely thinking about it and Mm -hmm. then suddenly something happens uh with our (laughs) biology or the weather or fuck knows god knows what Mm -hmm. but we're suddenly like super randy or whatever but yeah it also doesn't help that like Elle's been away on contract for like so many Months, yeah, like you guys month, deal with eight months. Yeah, eight months. Eight months out of the year <gasps> last year. Yeah. Oh shit! Yeah, it was a long, long time. It wasn't the longest because we did another eight months when he went to Stratford, and that was also really challenging. But busy boy, we've made it work. We've, yeah, you make it yeah. work, right? Yeah, you have it's to. Like, well, you have to. And I knew what I was getting myself into when I first started dating him. So it's not like I can, you know, hold anything against it us or it or whatever so what do you what do you do then when he's away are you skyping are you calling yeah what it's interesting because like we've kind of come through all of it where like in the infancy of our relationship we didn't have the same level of trust or openness or communication that we currently do and so oh well yeah we carried a lot of of like anxiety not anxiety but just like worry about Mm. what the other person was doing and I think that that meant that we were in constant communication almost to an unhealthy level Uh, where it's like kind of checking up on each other and wanting to know like oh where were you you took too long after you finished this to call me like what were you doing right whatever and I think that just came from our own personal experience from previous relationships of not feeling comfortable enough to talk about what it is that you're doing or Having and that fe- level and that insecurity of definitely ve- feeling lack insecure, of trust. exactly. Yes. And um, so the definitely in the early stages of a relationship, that was like a thing where we would just be always talking to each other on the phone whenever we could just to make sure it was partly that <laughs> it was definitely like also because I love him and miss him and wanted to be, you know, in contact because you know I wanted to be there with him through you know, all of his fun that he's having out. Yeah, tell you know, me about stuff. everything. Yeah, exactly. Sharing in, in your life and stuff and your day, but now. Um, so, and so then the other half at that time was also checking in and stuff, but yeah. now, um, we're definitely more uh, trusting and, you know, if I don't hear from him all day, I, I'm it's not no sitting here worrying and, you know, what's he doing? Who is he with? He's type fine. Of a thing. He's, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, he'll call me when he has a second. Yeah. And it's so nice to like finally, finally live in that place where you're not constantly kind of just worrying and, you know, I know he loves me and he knows that I love him and. Because five years in, now it's all trust is built up. Yeah, yeah. You guys got to figure it out for the most part. For the most part, we're yeah. always still learning, and oh, yeah. you know, we still have our you know moments of breakdown and communication and stuff where we then okay have to like ha- have a talk again and yep. like are we on the same page still and yeah all checking that kind of and stuff. Yeah. rechecking in and mm-hmm. reevaluating mm-hmm. that and it's all going okay. <laughs> yeah, that everything's cool and you know, do you still are you still getting what you need and and you know. We're still, yeah, we're, we're still in it to win it. Yeah. <laughs> Eye on the prize. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, so um, I forget how we started with this. I think you asked me what my favorite part of sex is. Ah, yes. Yeah, so <laughs> yes, the <laughs> whole kind of experience, beginning, middle, end, I love. 
I love the beginning, the foreplay. I love you know mi- the middle part, getting really into it, and then <laughs> I also love the postcoital. You know, laying in yeah. each other's arms and you know chatting. Do you guys chat like sometimes? Afterwards, yeah, or? there'll be a little bit of chatting. Um, usually, just hugs. I would snags. say mostly after the chats are okay. Who's rolling the joint? Or <laughs> <laughs> should we make a snack? Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I also love love those times when you like you know, roll over and lay in each other's arms and fall asleep. Kind of immediately type of a thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's really... See, girls can't do that because we have to get up and pee so we don't get a UTI. you don't get a UTI. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, once again... Not that that guys don't get UTIs either. They do, but a lot less frequently. Way less frequently, for sure. Yeah, once again, my male privilege. I don't know anything about that. (laughs) Yeah, the one time I didn't pee directly after sex the one time i didn't the one time i had that lovely moment yeah. where i was just like fall asleep, <laughs> asleep in each other's arms i got a uti oh, it's my no. only uti i've ever had in my life Fuck. because that one time i was like mm, this is so nice yeah. and fall asleep None. yeah oh fuck my oh, life boy <laughs> um and I mean, I've had a pretty easy go. Some gals get them all the time. Thank mm. God I don't. Same with yeast infections. Thank God I don't. But yeah, I've only had one UTI, and it was really painful. And oh, me just, too. Like, this is the worst ever. Me and... fucking too. Yeah. yeah. Oh God. Oh boy. Shout out, girls and gals yeah, who get to... chronic <laughs> UTIs. <laughs> to all those chronic UTIs out there. We are so we sorry. <laughs> Anyway, Jeff, we're we're at time, buddy. All right. Yeah. Sweet. Well, I've had so much fun. Oh, thank, thank you, you so much for coming. Me. Do you have anything that you would like to tell people about? Do you have any performances coming up or? Um, I do have a pilot for a new series, uh, hopefully coming out in the next month or so. Ooh, um, what's that? Called? It's called Queens. Uh huh. And um, it's about uh, drag queens in Toronto. Um, oh my god, I'm already... Funny enough, I actually play a straight character. I play a straight uh-huh. brother to one of the drag queens in the show. Uh-huh. Um, but um, I really like the script. It's funny and... Um, and when... So there's do you have an idea of when that would come out? Hopefully by, I would say, end of April. Awesome. So pretty for. soon. Yeah. Oh yeah, exciting. Yeah, by end of month. And um, my partner, Elle, and I, we also produce a uh, variety show called The Swinging Wingding. Yes. And uh, we're hoping to put up a show for that in the next month or so. So... Awesome. Yeah. Keep your eyes and ears keep peeled. Your, keep your senses peeled. <laughs> Thanks again, Jeff. Everyone, this has been Jeff Incel. My pleasure. Thank you so much. My pleasure. I'm Erin Pym, and this has been the Bedpost Podcast, everybody. Check back often because we release a new episode every Friday. And if you want to see Bedpost Live, the variety stage show runs at the Social Capital Theatre the third Friday of every month at 8. The next show is April 21st, and it is our April Fools-themed show. It's an all-comedy show, and it's going to be hilarious and great. For more information on everything Bedpost, please visit us on Facebook at Bedpost Erotica or on Instagram at the Bedpost Sex Show. And lastly, the Bedpost podcast features original music by Steph Copeland, who can be reached on Facebook or at her website, stephcopelandmusic.com. <laughs>